Welcome back to Silk Flowers and Paper Mache Hearts. We are your hosts, Eric Hart and Ashley Flowers, and this is our fiftieth episode. Woo! Fifty. <laughs> ah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I was looking back today, and I realized that our very first episode we aired today, May eighth, which is you know when we're recording this episode. Um, but we aired our first episode exactly today, two years ago. Wow. It's been a long two years. I know it's been a very long two years. It's so it's so crazy. We've had had a few breaks in there. Yeah, we've had a few breaks, but we're so glad to be back up and running and getting as many episodes out there, especially during this time. And it's a fun it's a fun podcast, I think. Yeah. So we thought a great way to celebrate our fiftieth episode was to answer some questions from our listeners. We got some great questions, and we're excited to dive in. Yes. So let's start with our first question. So our first question is from Jay Duckworth, who is Props Master at Public Theater. And his question is, why is there not a standard or universal props list that we all use? Great question. You know, I saw him post this, and I made a joke answer where it's like a universal props list (laughs) has a knife, a book, a letter, a (laughs) notepad. I think I think what he's actually talking about is a standard props list template for writing down all the props. So yeah, and it's interesting because I feel that um, I've had this conversation with various props masters before, especially you know. younger props masters that are coming in they're like, well, is there, you know, a specific template I should be using? And I, I wish there was, but then the more I think about it, I don't know how logistic it would be because I personally change my props list depending on the show that I'm doing. You know, I have a different format I use when I'm doing musicals versus a different template I use for a stationary set or a set that's moving, one that's heavy dressed, where there's no dressing. And then there are times where I work off of the stage manager's list instead when they present me one and I'm just like, I'll just use this one. It'll be easier than, you know, having multiple props lists out there. Yeah, I definitely have a unit set props list where I'll put like all the furniture and dressing just at the beginning rather than Mm -hmm. relisting it for every act and scene and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I've had a fairly consistent props list, but every season I kind of go in and I like change it around a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. just from what I've learned and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, But I teach props management and doing a props list is one of their main tasks. So they actually you know, they develop one from scratch and they basically come up with something that's very similar to what we all use. And a lot of what I've seen is, is mostly standard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have the same sort of basic columns. So I feel like, you know, you could kind of come up with a universal template that has like every potential column. And maybe you just get rid of the ones you don't use. Like maybe you don't number your props. Maybe you don't need to list whether you're going to borrow, buy, or rent it, that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think one of the challenges of a universal props list is just the different ways it's used. And so yeah. there's different information that you need on it, depending on how you're using it. Exactly. The one I use has columns that just like continue on and you have to scroll over to see all the information I have. But mm-hmm. then I have it set up to print only the the stuff that I want to share. So when I print it out, 
and I print it as a PDF just to email it to the stage manager or the director or the scene designer. It only has your kind of basic stuff like, you know, who's using it, uh, what page it appears on, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And all my extra stuff about like budget and estimate and where it's coming from and web links to buy it, that sort of stuff. That doesn't appear on the PDF. Yeah, I think we it could potentially, you know, if there was a universal props list, like you were saying, a basic template that has all the information that everybody normally has, you know, your page number, your act, your scene, your character, description, buy, borrow, build, yada, 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 all of that stuff. And then, you know, each person can customize it or personalize it how they want. Because that's another thing. A lot of people are very specific on how they want their documents done. And a lot of people, you know, they want this column to be here and then the next column has to be notes or the next column has to be a character description or what they're doing, you know? Yeah. So in theory, there could be a template that's universal and then people just personalize it. And it's interesting because I was always taught, you know, you make your own props list and you work off of that. And then when I went to Yale, the stage managers actually create the props list. Sometimes I would create a props list just to cross check what they had created. Yeah. Um, make sure there wasn't anything missing or anything, but I quickly realized that the stage managers were actually having the conversation with the directors of what was needed to be on the props list. If I did not have that conversation already with the director. And so that kind of became nice because then I would just work off of their props list and just adjusted to what they had. And even all of the stage managers had a different version of a props list, which I thought was interesting. It was kind of the same template, but they were all, it was like they all customized it in their own way of like they had a color coding system or when things were removed from the show, it would be in red or versus a strike through from a different stage manager. Yes. interesting to be like, oh, I'm not really creating my own. I'm just kind of working off of your list. And then it was just, we just had one instead of, you know, the stage manager had theirs and then I had mine. You know, there was no miscommunication. The director could see it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I would be interested in a universal props list that we all could just personalize ourselves. I think it would take a while for that to be a normal thing it's something we can definitely teach students today. And then, you know, in the future, it is a, a typical, normal, universal props list. Yeah. And if you go um, if you go to Sandy Strawn's website, thepraphandbook.com, or mm-hmm. just prophandbook.com, which is what her book is based off of, and you click through, you could actually see examples of props lists from a bunch of different regional theaters. Um, both filled out and blank ones. So you could kind of see how they have similarities, but they also have differences and kind of compare. Um, Yeah. You know, my thought is always like, you shouldn't have something that's like vastly different from what you're expecting a props list should look like. Oh yeah. You know, follow, follow the basic uh, advice and information, but Mm -hmm. otherwise, yeah. It's interesting that we don't have a universal props list already. Like this wasn't thought of eons ago, but I wonder if the reason that we don't have that already is because sharing documentation was not as easy 
as it has been recently. And people just made their own and personalize it. And that's what they like. And a lot of people get, you know, I don't want to use the word stuck in their ways, but they like how they do things and usually aren't very accessible to changing paperwork, I should say. Right. If you make your own Excel sheet, then you understand it and you understand what's going on in it, as opposed to if you get somebody else's, especially if they start throwing in like formulas and programming stuff and you can't really predict how it's going to act. Or even you don't even know how to like add another row because you have a whole lot of props. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons on why we don't have one, but I also think there's a lot of reasons we could in the future potentially have one. I'm open to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Jay Duckworth comes up with one. Yeah, I would be interested to learn more, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Let's go on to another question. This one comes from Chris Wick, and he asks, what prop have you made? Two two questions. What prop have you made and wished you had in your own personal prop stock? And what prop have you modified for a show and then regretted later? Let's talk about the one we've made and wish we had in our own personal prop stock. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That I have made and had. Um, I've done a lot of taxidermy and or faux taxidermy, I should say, that I wish I just had. I mean, I don't have my own personal prop stock because I'm a freelancer and, you know, still building. Well, I guess I'm building a prop stock. I wish I could build this prop stock, let's say it that way, um, and had the storage for it, but that's not a reality <laughs> moment. Um, but when I when I work at theaters and they have their own prop stock, I wish there was better taxidermy options and body part options because I do a lot of shows that require taxidermy or require body parts because those are my specialties. So I tend to gravitate more to those shows. And it would be nice if I had my own personal stock of, you know, a dead deer or rooster that I've made in the past or, you know, the body parts that I have. So then on shows that don't have the budget for me to make a new version, I have something to pull from, you know, that looks good because I'm very very picky when it comes to body parts and faux taxidermy. I want it to look as realistic as possible. And that, that can be pricey, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of products I use are not cheap and I, I, it literally kills my soul when a director asks for something and they're like, but we don't have the money for that. And I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I'm uh-huh. like, I need it to be, I just, uh. so I always work it into the budget and be like, well, we just don't need to spend money over here then. Right. But yeah. yeah, I think that's what my answer to that would be. I, there's definitely some furniture pieces I built that I would like in my own house, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to have, but I think like prop, prop, uh, you know, I built the umbrella gun from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And oh, yeah. I thought I did a really good job on it. And I thought if I could have that, I could rent that out like all the time because everybody does that show and here's something that's pretty reliable. Yeah. And, you know, I could probably like spend a little bit of time and make it even better. But uh, that's definitely a prop because when I was doing the show, I was trying to find somewhere to rent it and nobody had anything mm-hmm. that either looked good a lot of the places i contacted they had taken it apart 
like years oh. ago. Oh, like, yeah, we did the show, but it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... I mean, with being a freelancer, I usually go to theaters or whatnot, but it would be nice to just have a, a personal stock that I could rent out to other theaters because there are a lot of a lot of props that people like the umbrella don't want to either build or don't have the budget for it. And they would just rather rent it and not bother with it. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll I'll do during our quarantine. I'll yeah. Start, I'll start working on that business. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. And then what prop have you modified for a show and regretted later? I don't see. I don't know if there is a prop that I modified and regretted later. Just I've no regrets. And furniture that I have like personally regretted because it just broke my soul to right. you know, tear yeah. apart an antique chair. Yeah, paint something gloss black. Oh, yes, painting beautiful furniture that has like Ugh. gorgeous wood underneath. And you're like, I know I can strip it down later, but this is painful right now. Uh-huh. I, that I definitely, you know, is a personal regret. But I don't know if there's been a prop that I've modified that I regretted later in the sense that I didn't think it looked good enough to be on stage. Because if I don't think it's good enough to be on stage, it's not going to go on stage, (laughs) you know? Right. Yeah. If I build something and then use it in another show, um, it's because I built it well. Mm -hmm. If I build something for a show and it's not good enough to go on stage again, then I, I toss it. You know, I build it a lot cheaper and quicker yeah Um, and then if i need something like similar for another show then i might just rebuild it if it wasn't built well the first time yeah there's definitely been some paint jobs that i have done that i regretted but then fixed immediately Uh because i mean paint you can just paint over which is nice i I wouldn't let go on stage if i regret it it's aesthetic or safety right not if it's a safety i'd be like It's so interesting when people get like upset that I get so paranoid about safety. And I'm like, guys, uh-huh. I'm not yeah. I'm like, you can get mad at me all you want. I'm not having something unsafe near an actor on stage at, because of me. No, no, no. It's, it yeah. will not happen. Oh, you know, I did just think of one. Um, we did wait until dark and there's the very specific prop. It's a uh, stiletto knife. So you press the button and the knife uh, blade springs out of the handle. So not like a switchblade, but springs straight out, but it has a carved figurine of a woman as the handle. So, you know, it's a thing that doesn't exist. Luckily I was able to find an actual, you know, stiletto knife that I could base it off of. Mm -hmm. And then I had to, sculpt the handle of this figurine and yeah. i was extremely pressed for time and it came out just absolutely horrible oh and no i hated how it looked and it probably would have been better to just not do anything because it's so small and it's in his hand all the time but instead it became this like oversized cartoony figurine of a woman and like i hated how it looked so much that i actually got rid of it after the show even though every local theater afterward and i knew this would happen they were like hey we saw that your theater did wait until dark do you have the figurine knife because it does a bunch of tricks too i'm like no we don't have it (laughs) (laughs) sorry like i so wish i could have done that better or something it's like oof, that was bad 
So our next question is from Aaron Joy Swink. They ask, how often do you prepare the rehearsal prop package versus stage management staff? Does your theater, if resident, have an assigned rehearsal prop area for common things like plates, etc.? I have always prepared the rehearsal prop package. Our stage managers never really have access to props, and they don't have the budget for props. Correct. Um, so I've always gotten it together. And, you know, I do a, a thing where I provide the real props as soon as possible. So it's... Yeah. Um, it's it's like less of a package and more of like an evolving group mm-hmm. of props, but I yeah. definitely show up the first, uh, when they get on their feet after the table read, you know, it's a couple of days of table reading and then they get on their feet and that's when I present or bring over the, the props package. Yeah. That's very similar to what I do. I try to have all of their props in there ready day one. If they're on their feet day one, I do the same thing. I ask when are they going to be on their feet or how long are they going to do a table read? And I make sure it's all in there and I present it to the, usually the assistant stage manager, but I like to have the stage manager there as well. So they both can see everything. And I also like to show the designer and director, or at least have them look at it. If I'm not able to meet with them one-on-one, um, just in case there are rehearsal items that I think can be real items, because I'm also a believer in getting the real items in rehearsal as soon as possible, because if they're going to break it, I want to know now and not first day of tech. Yeah. So that's kind of what my rehearsal package is as well. It's evolving. And then does your theater have an assigned rehearsal prop area for common things? Um, We generally especially working union um, stage managers can't really go into our prop stock, at least at the most recent union theater I was at stage managers couldn't. Um, I have been at other theaters where stage managers, I mean, I guess legally can go and grab props, but is very discouraged. And we don't like to have, you know, random people in the prop stock. You just kind of want it to only be your prop staff, you know, you know where everything is, make sure things are put away properly, handled properly. So we don't have an assigned area at any of the theaters that I have worked at for stage managers to grab rehearsals props. Now in New York, when I was freelancing off Broadway, sometimes stage managers would just go buy a rehearsal prop if needed, because usually there's not a stock that we would pull from. Yeah. But that's the only situation that I have encountered where stage managers have actively gone out and get props for rehearsal purposes, because in my opinion, that really should be coming from the props department. The stage manager shouldn't need to worry about going and doing that. Now, when it comes to paper props, I generally be like, you have a pen and pencil that you can use. Right. (laughs) Or you can fold a paper, you know, like, that kind of stuff. I just let, you know, stage managers do that. Yeah. And they sometimes the, you know, the craftier ones, it not even really crafty, but um some it's sometimes really helpful because they uh, you know, they fold the paper to the right size or they have the yeah. right amount of paper and they sort of or they do the text like very generally. So then right. when I check in with them, they're like, So yeah, that paper prop we added, this is, you know, this is all the 
information about it. This yeah. is the size and shape and thickness and how the text should be. So it's like really great. Um, and how many times it got torn up. Yeah. and they'll <laughs> How do, many times did they have to replace it, which yeah, is great to know for backups. They'll do other stuff like they'll have pencils. So if they add like a cigarette, they're give an actor a pencil or straws mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Um, at triad stage where I worked, we had a small closet and it was never really well stocked, but we tried to have just very general stuff. So a couple cups, you know, like plastic cups in case they added that and a tray, mm -hmm. um, you know, like really, really general kind of things, just so if they have a, a flash of inspiration in the middle of rehearsal, they could actually try it out with something that's, um, you know, not the real thing, but at least it's something physical. And then like, scattered throughout the rehearsal hall were a couple rehearsal cubes and a couple like chairs and stuff just so like you could add the idea of a chair just to see what that does whether it's worth pursuing rather than putting it in the rehearsal report waiting for it to show up and then you're on the next scene anyway so yeah exactly that sort of thing and also because you know they would also do stuff like because the green room was downstairs, if they needed coffee mugs, they would go in the kitchen and get coffee mugs or, yeah. you know, coffee stirrers for uh, cigarettes to get, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Piles of paper towels representing something or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> some, of, some of them get pretty crafty with the That's, stuff in the yeah. room, like between like spike tape, pencils, straws, like you come right. up with some like entire contraptions of things. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> Our next question is um, one of our followers on Twitter, Adam Builds Stuff. And his question is, when someone asks you to be their reference, what are good things to talk about when a potential employer of theirs calls you? This is a really good question, yes. I think. <laughs> and something that's not really talked about. Right. Yep. It's a great honor to be somebody's reference. <laughs> it really is. Like it's, it, I remember the first time somebody asked me, if they could write me down as a reference. And I was like, wait, really? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that, yeah. I feel like it kind of made me feel a little cool for a moment. Uh -huh. um, but also for people who are asking people for references, make sure the people that you are asking are going to give you a good reference and that you have really worked well with them. Because um, I have had some people in the past that have worked for me that have asked me for my reference and they were really nice people. However, there wasn't much I could say on their prop skills. Yeah, So it's a little awkward because I don't want to say anything negative because they're a good person, but I also am not going to lie because when you are referencing somebody, you're, you're, you're telling the employer why they should hire this person. Right. And if they them and find out they weren't as good as you said, that makes you look bad. And then your credibility fades a little bit. You know, if they were to call you again, well, they might not even call you again for a reference, you know. You should almost tell the person you're requesting a reference from what you want them to talk about, just so yeah. that they know what they'll be asked about and they could have the option to turn it down. Because like you said, I, you know, it could be somebody I've worked with before, but if it's somebody I've worked with where they're a props master and then they're applying for a job as a welder and I've never oh, seen yeah. them weld, I mean, I, I just can't say anything about it. 
Yeah. So the job's going to call me up and I'll say like, well, I've never seen them. Well, I can't say whether they are good or not. It's, yeah. it's a wasted opportunity. They they don't get any information out of me, yeah. good or bad. And it's also good to ask them where they are applying to. You know, is are they applying to be an artisan at a regional theater? Maybe you know that regional theater. Maybe you know the props master there. You might, ha- you know, you might have some intel of where they are applying to. When talking to your references, potential employer, I always like to be very transparent. And I always start out with saying all of the good qualities of them as a person, because I think that's also a big part of working with somebody and hiring somebody. I don't want to work with somebody who's amazing at all of these skills, but is just the worst person or just very dead inside. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I want them to have a good personality too. I want Uh to be working with them. So I do make sure I talk about their personality and then also talking about their skills and also saying what I think they can improve on. And then I also try to sell them a little bit and be like, I think they could bring this to you guys. And if I know that specific employer, or I know that theater that they're working for, or I've worked there before, I have a little bit more intel and can kind of say, well, I know there's not many sewers in your prop shop. Well, this person is an amazing sewer and really would benefit working with you guys and really bring that to you. So it's a little bit of, you know, saying what kind of person they are, their skill set, and then a little bit of a, a business sell at the end. Right. Is generally what I do when I'm talking to a potential employer for a reference. And it, it's important too that you um, you respect their privacy too. You know, there's oh, yeah. a lot of questions that an employer can't ask a potential candidate, and you want to make sure that you're not also giving that out. So it's like, oh yeah, they were. I don't know. They were thinking of having kids. I don't know if you know right. that, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's not information you need to be sharing with an employer. You only want to talk about their work and you only want to talk about things that are like generally verifiable because you don't want them to find out they didn't get a job because you were saying something that might not have been true or something. Yeah. Um, I I always think of it as don't say anything that I wouldn't want them to know if I was talking about myself. mm Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't go into an office and just, I don't, I don't know what an example would be. I, I'll use the kids one and be like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about having kids, you know, tomorrow or something, you know, uh-huh. that which shouldn't affect a job at all. But unfortunately society, that's another tangent. I'm not even going to go on. <laughs> future, <laughs> I don't even future have, episode. Yeah, I have a strong feeling about it. Like, it's ridiculous. Why do I have strong feelings about things that I have no personal connection to? Um, <laughs> who knows, guys? Who knows? It's quarantine. It's getting to me. Um, I have so much time to think about things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I ho- hopefully that answers your question, Adam. Adam builds stuff. Our final question for today's episode is from Stacy Hennen. And she asks, how do you determine if the prop is kept at the end of the show knowing space is always limited in storage and what are some good props that every theater should keep in stock? Ooh, great question. I sort of have like a multi uh, part checklist Mm -hmm. um, that I'm kind of going through in my head of what to keep. So things to keep in stock are um, things that 
I know I'm going to use in future shows and that yeah. are like built well enough and sturdy enough that they'll last being put in multiple shows mm-hmm. or things that uh, can potentially be used in shows again and are kind of weird, but they were hard to find and hard to come by. So if it's something that's going to be like hard to find in the future, I definitely want to keep it. Um, if it's Even if it's not something I'm going to use in the future, if it's something other people are going to want to rent or borrow, I'll keep yeah. it around, you know? If it's something that's like part of a set, things like that, I'll keep around. Mm-hmm. Or again, if it's like a special trick that is uh, particular to a show that could be rented in the future. So again, like the umbrella gun for yeah. Virginia Woolf or props for, you know, the Frozen musical or Little Mermaid musical or that sort of stuff. Yeah. If it's, you know, completely unique to the whatever design of the show at that time and mm-hmm. absolutely unrecognizable outside of that, then I'm probably going to get rid of it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm usually thinking about this ahead of time. If a show demands a prop that I know I want in my stock, I'm going to take the time to buy a really good version of it as opposed to, I know I'm never going to use this, so I'm going to might, mm-hmm. I might cheap out on it, you know? Yeah. I'm going to spend my money on stuff I want to keep knowing yeah. that I'm going to keep it. Yeah. I generally do the same thing. I kind of think of, is this a prop I can go out and buy tomorrow at Ikea? Or is this a prop that, you know, it took forever to find, it was really expensive, and it will be used in other shows? Mm-hmm. You know, some some pieces of furniture and, you know, hand props are very specific to a very specific show that most likely will never happen again for another five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you have the space to keep it for those five to 10 years and you know maybe one day it will happen, great, but generally we don't. Generally, every prop stock is, you know, crammed and you're yes. always trying to go through it and get rid of things. I also look, has it been damaged beyond repair during the show? Because mm-hmm. there are items that I have built that I loved, but by the end of the show, it wasn't fixable, really. For example, I made a full-size dead deer and I loved it. Looking back on it now, I'm like, it could have totally been better, but it was the first animal that I had ever made. So I'll take that into mm-hmm. consideration and be happy about it. Yeah. But a part of the show was that it was dead and bleeding. So there was blood everywhere and the actors rubbed up against it and the blood just went everywhere. And at that time, I didn't use probably the best blood recipe I could have used. And that caused the blood to be all sticky all the time and we couldn't get it out of the fur because i i Uh, I use uh deer hide and (laughs) because i'm crazy and it couldn't come out it wouldn't come out it looked disgusting by the end of the show so we had to pitch it yeah now if it would have been easily cleaned and it looked fine maybe we would have kept it but then it's like how many times do you need a dead deer but then there is that show you know yeah. So you need it's it's always that fine line of like, oh, we could use it. Oh. Right. I also like to do and I do this with my closet too. <laughs> and <laughs> when is the last time we used it? Uh-huh. And I always I always ask him like, okay, when is the last time we used it? Okay, it's been more than 5 years. What's the reality of us using it in the next 5 years? And if the answer is no to both, then generally I'll pitch it. Mhm. 
hard. It's really hard cleaning out prop stuff. Yeah. The, the problem is we can justify why we need to keep it. Right. Yeah. Every prop we can justify, justify anything. Exactly. Usually like the size of the prop has a lot to do with it. So, yeah. you know, a giant bed, you're going to have to really justify as opposed to like, I don't know, shot glasses. Yeah. Keep them all, you know, just right. throw, exactly. throw them on why a not? shelf. Right. Glassware, throw it on a shelf. Silverware. Yeah. Why not have all of it? <laughs> right. that's, that's funny because it's like, then you have all these things as silverware and you're like, why does it matter? Like, uh, right. Why do I have this set? <laughs> I'm just right. going to use the same set for every show. Exactly. I'm not going to be cleaning actual silver for every right. show. Give me the stainless steel <laughs> standard set. <laughs> the restaurant set that I could buy like you right. know, <laughs> 30 forks, 30 knives. Yeah, that's definitely, it's, you know, if it's large, do you even have the room for it? Sometimes yeah. that's your determined factor. You don't have the room for it. So you have to get right, rid of it. Right, yeah. Like um, couches, I could only have so many couches. Exactly. The adaptability is important too. If you have a couch where it's easy to reupholster it and easy mm -hmm. to like repaint the wood so it could kind of fit a multitude of time periods that's mm -hmm. a lot better than something that is going to fall apart as soon as you start taking the upholstery off exactly and it's interesting too because i there was this one theater that i was at that does a lot of musicals and they just had a million wood chairs as you do. Uh -huh. <laughs> and yep. for that season every show required a twin size bed and i was hmm. like why don't we have a bed in stock I was like, I just, I don't understand. Yeah. And the fact was they didn't have the space. They had mm -hmm. space for a bed. And so we had to, you know, we built a bed and then we just modified it for the rest of the season because we didn't need, you know, make a new bed or buy a new bed. We could just use that one. But then at the end of the season, it was so sad because I was like, we have to throw this away now and we're going to mm -hmm. need it next season, but we don't have the space for it. Yep. And that's the same for um, when I work in New York, there are, you know, Broadway houses and such that can store props here and there and storage facilities and all that jazz. But when I was working on Off-Broadway, I didn't have that available to me. So I had to buy everything for the show. Sometimes I would get lucky and rent at anything but costumes. Right. So if I couldn't, you know, rent, obviously I would have to purchase everything. And let me tell you, it is a great way to refurnish your apartment in New York. <laughs> um, because when strike comes, everything has to leave that theater. And it's either the dumpster or your apartment. Uh-huh. So I got a lot of nice furniture when I was living in New York. Yep. Because... I, it killed me to throw away some of these pieces of furniture, Yeah, but I mean, you have to, you have to get rid of them. So, yeah. and it sucks too, because you go to a next, you, your next show and you're like, oh yeah, I had the perfect side table for this show, but you know, mm -hmm. had to throw it away. <laughs> yep. So what are some good props that every theater should keep in stock? Oh goodness. I it, could, yeah. It depends on the theater. I, right. Well, yeah, it does. It does depend on the theater because there are the theaters. types of shows. Yeah, yeah, there are theaters that I know in LA. One of the theaters is mostly does Asian based theater, so all of their stock has a lot of Oriental props, right? That I would not need in my prop stock yeah. 
elsewhere because I don't normally do shows like that. Right. So for them, that's very specific. Um, for musicals, sometimes you need, you know, you need a lot of furniture that's standable. Yep. And a lot of duplicates of things for those big dance numbers. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, we just do straight plays here. We do new plays here. I think it's yeah. always good to have, you know, your typical set of furniture, a couch, dining mm -hmm. table, side table, chair, a few desks if possible. Yeah, I always thought of it like uh, whatever your theater does the most of, like their bread and butter, yeah. um, you should be able to prop that show, like that basic show with what you mm -hmm. have in stock, you know, okay. if you didn't have a designer picking specific yeah. things. So like, you know, Triad Stage does a whole lot of uh, US-based shows mm -hmm. sort of in the middle of the 20th century. And so uh, you can furnish a living room in the 1940s in uh, Missouri. Yeah. Based on what we had in stock. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think the the sort of like general theater, maybe educational theater and your typical regional, the sort of mix of shows they do. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's always good to have a good set of unbreakable uh, dishware and glassware. Yep. So your polycarbonate wine glasses and acrylic mm -hmm. crystal glasses and then a whole like set of dinner plates like melamine or something nice looking mm -hmm. can pass for ceramic. That's always good to have just all those unbreakable whiskey yeah. glasses, things like that. I could never have enough canes. I don't know what it is. Every right? show has an actor who thinks their character needs a cane. It's like, why? <laughs> why do we need this? They never <gasps> use it correctly, but oh my gosh, yeah. they want to have it because it adds or they, to their character. Or they feel like it's not tall enough and you're like, but that's that's the correct height for you, sir. Yeah. Like, that so is what... That's a correct cane for you. So yeah, anytime I was out, if I found a cane in an antique store that had a nice head and mm -hmm. didn't seem like it would break right away, because a lot of them are kind of flimsy, the old yeah. timey ones. But if it was a sturdy cane, I would buy it because it's like mm -hmm. they just, it was like they got eaten. They I would have to buy a few every season and they would just slowly disappear. Mm -hmm. What so else? Luggage. Little, luggage, yeah. Luggage, luggage. and like trunks and chests mm -hmm. especially if they're lightweight and again if they're like adaptable you could kind of either paint them or recover them easily put a cut the hole out of the bottom so you got the fake bottom that sort of thing yeah. um greenery that's a big one because oh, that's goodness. wickedly expensive and like you just have to keep buying it for every show and buy the good stuff so eventually you have a nice stock so when they want to cover the entire stage with bushes and trees and stuff mm -hmm. like that you actually you can do it because yeah. you'll never have the budget to do that so oh yeah sadly when when i did little shop we had a lot of floral uh -huh. in in stock and obviously it's a flower shop so they wanted you know tons of floral in dressing wise and for the actors to use blah 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 and i was like okay well you know i'm not going to have to worry about buying floral mm -hmm. i have i have a huge section of it and then the designer day 1 day 1 of our conversations together was like, I don't want to use any of the floral in stock. I've seen it. I hate it. I want brand new floral. Oh, no. I was like, why? Uh -huh. I was like, well, I think we can. He's like, no, I've seen it. I was like, well, let's look through. He's like, no, 
I even tried, like I went through it and found it. I think he maybe liked one box full of stuff out mm-hmm. of 20 boxes of floral that we had. And then I had to go down to the floral district, which is funny because the show Little Shop is in Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And then the floral district in LA is in Skid Row. <laughs> So the director and actors got a huge kick out of that. I was like, I went to Skid Row for you guys, for your uh-huh. This is called method propping. Right, yeah. <laughs> they just loved it. But I spent, I think, almost $3,000 yeah. on just greenery. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a third of my budget, half yeah. of my budget, I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they looked great. But normally, I would have just been like, no, we have to go from our stock. Yeah, having just nice floral. I I will say a lot of the floral we had looked pretty bad. You could mm-hmm. tell it was the cheaper stuff. Yeah. So I would definitely invest in having nicer floral in your yeah. stock versus just, you know, the cheapy cheap. And especially because a lot of theaters, you have to get the flame retardant uh, floral. So you can't just go to michaels and buy their stuff you have to go to a place that has flame retardant floral and yeah it's even when you're doing interiors there's always the one window that's overlooking their backyard and it's like oh we need to see like trees and branches and bushes out there and and you're like okay it's just one window's worth but then you're like oh well the house right seats see this part and the center seats see this part with all the Mm -hmm. sight lines you end up like um, if you didn't have it in stock, it would have been like a thousand dollars worth of foliage for yeah. something that's outside of the set that the right. actors never interact with, but that oh would look horrible if it wasn't there. <laughs> it's so true. So. Yeah. I think that wraps up all of our questions for today. Thank you, everybody who sent in questions. Uh, they were excellent questions and definitely things for me to think on and probably come up with more answers later. And for people who didn't have a chance to send in a question, we are always available for more questions. Love to answer them and probably do another episode like this in the future. You can email us at propspodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet or a message on Twitter at Silk Mache, or you can go on our Facebook page, Silk Flowers and Paper Mache Hearts. And send us a private message or a post on our wall, and we would be happy to chat more about things. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening for the past 50 episodes. Uh, Let's hope we could get 50 more. I know we already have a couple great interviews coming up already, Mm -hmm. and we're scheduling even more. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify so you never miss an episode. And check out our website at silkflowersandpapermachehearts.com where you can find all of our old episodes. This has been another episode of Silk Flowers and Paper Mache Hearts with your host, Eric Hart. And Ashley Flowers. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.